Good evening. Open your Bibles or your scriptures or one of your newest technologies to Psalms 37. We're going to read from there in just a minute or two. It's been a pleasure for Wanda and I to be here today. I want to forewarn you, though, we may be leaving a little quickly afterwards. We had seven of our 26 grandchildren in our house last week. And they range in ages from 10 to 1 with their parents. And so our house is not really in good shape, and we got more coming next week. So uh, we need to get home and finish cleaning that house. But still, it's been a real pleasure for us uh, to come back here and to be with the congregation where I worship for a number of years, to see the faces that I haven't seen for a while, especially Sister Gwen. She's always here, you know. It's a real encouragement to me and then all the new folks. So I'm going to begin reading the first eight verses of Psalm 37. This is a Psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only the evil doing. I want you to notice that in three of these verses here, verse 1, verse 7, and verse 8, David the author says, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not fret because of those who prosper. Do not fret because it leads to evil. The meaning of the word fret in this case is to cause to suffer emotional strain. And what David is saying, don't cause yourself to suffer emotional strain. David tells us not to cause ourselves to suffer emotional strain. Along with this, it seems to me that he gives us the means whereby we can avoid causing ourselves emotional turmoil. Now notice that in four other verses, David on the other hand says to trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him and He will do it. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Simply put, David is saying, put yourself, give yourselves to the Lord and trust in Him and don't cause yourself emotional strain. Now I know intellectually we all believe this. Every one of us. But the question is, is our faith big enough to practice this, even in the times of difficult circumstances or when we have doubt. I want you to consider the example of Elijah in 1 Kings, chapter 18 and chapter 19. Let's turn over there, 1 Kings, chapter 18 and chapter 19. Now, in chapter 18, Elijah was, was one man who went up against 100 or 450 prophets of Baal. And he challenged them to cut an ox and put the pieces of it on a stack of wood 
but put no fire under it. And he said he would do the same. And he then told them to call on their God to light the fire and see what happened. Now the prophets of Baal went first. They did everything possible from morning to evening to get their God to light the fire. But it was to no avail. Then Elijah cut his ox. And he arranged it. And he told the prophets of Baal to pour four pitchers of water on the ox and wood. And he told them to pour these pitchers of water four more times. So much so that the water filled a trench that he had dug around the offering. Now let's read verses in 1 Kings 18, 36 through 40. Beginning in verse 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that the, this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now let me ask you something. How do you think Elijah's faith was after this, after this example of who God was? We probably would say he demonstrated or he had the faith that was a hundred percent trust in God. Elijah had just witnessed the mighty power of God and no doubt he felt invincible. He could conquer anything. Like Elijah, I'll tell you, we don't fret when all goes well and our faith is not under any pressure. In fact, we can and oftentimes attribute times when all is well to God's providential care for us. We have no problem with our faith at that particular point in time. Now let's read the very first five verses of chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he, and this is Elijah, was afraid and arose and ran for his life. Drop down further in verse uh, 5. It says, He requested for himself that he might die. That's in verse 4. Then in verse 5, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And the Lord said, Arise and eat. Arise and eat, he says later down in this chapter in verse 7. Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to the cave and lodged there and he said, The word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And down later he said, and I alone, Lord, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And on down further, in verse, uh, let's say, 14, he again said, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And then what the Lord say to him over in verse 18, 
Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know, who changed here? Elijah said, I alone am left. And he wanted his life to be taken. So who changed? What changed? Well, I'm going to tell you, it was not God who changed. Because he sent an angel to, to help Elijah. He sent an angel to get Elijah back on his feet. He sent an angel to feed him and tell him, go and rest. It wasn't God that changed, but it was Elijah that changed. Elijah was not alone. But from his human perspective, at a time when his faith was being tested, Elijah suddenly was experiencing emotional strain. I think Elijah was fretting, if you ask me. He was fretting. In spite of what David said, David said, do not fret. Do not cause yourself emotional strain. Trust yourself and all you have to the Lord. And Elijah did that at first. But then when things got bad, he began to doubt. And he began to have problems. And what happened? He just, his faith wavered. That's what happened. His faith wavered. Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Brethren, our faith is tested daily. And it can and at times is affected by our human emotions. We can fret and we can allow our assessment of the circumstances to cause us emotional strain. Woe is me is the cry when life is not going as we desire or as we think it should. This perspective places us squarely in the center and leaves God on the fringe. You know what? The question is, how big is our God? How big is our God in our minds? That's the real issue. You know, who is in charge of our life? Is it me? Or is it God? Because if God is in charge of your life, why fret? Why cause yourself emotional strain? God was still in charge of Elijah's life. God was still there for Elijah. He saw on the one hand the power of God and his faith was soared, but it wasn't long before he began to fret. He began to fret. How big is our God? Turn with me to Colossians 3. And let's read the very first four verses there. These are verses that are familiar to all of us. But let's just take a look and a few of these verses. Colossians chapter 3. And let's read the very first four verses. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, sealed at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Notice what it says. Set your, keep seeking the things of uh, above, where Christ is, seated at the hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. 
seems to me this is what David was saying. You know, don't fret. Don't put your mind down here. Don't let the circumstances of this life drag you down. Put your, set your mind on things above. Look to God and trust in Him. James 3.17 tells us that the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, form of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Do we honestly believe and live our lives with the assurance that all things are possible with God? And when I say all things, I mean all things, because that's what the Roman letter says. It's what the scriptures teach us. Verse 37 in Romans chapter 8 says, But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer. How? In all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Is our God that big in all things in our lives that we overwhelmingly conquer our fears, that we overwhelmingly conquer our doubts, that we overwhelmingly conquer our adversary, adversity through him who loved us, our adversity. Do we believe that? Do we live that? Do we act like that? That's the question. Is our God that big in all things that we overwhelmingly conquer? Do we absolutely and unequivocally Put our trust and our lives in the hand of God's, regardless of what is occurring? If not, what will be the outcome? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. I want to read through verse 23 through 27. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And let's look, let's begin... In verse 23, this is Jesus. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? You men of little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this that even the winds and the sea obey? The boat, this is one of them that I think was on the list up here for the little children, if I'm not mistaken. The boat was being covered with the waves, and what did they believe? They believed they were perishing. Now, if you go back earlier, they had seen Jesus cure a leper and heal the centurion servant from afar. Yet, these disciples fretted. They caused themselves emotional strain. Why? Because they were assessing their predicament from their perspective. Jesus was not yet all-consuming in their lives. And so, in 8.26, Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? That's what Jesus said. My friends, when we don't trust in the Lord, 
When we don't believe that we can overwhelmingly conquer anything in the Lord, when we have the perspective that there are circumstances here that are threatening us and we don't trust in the Lord, we're going to be like those men in that boat. We're going to be just like them. And Jesus is going to say to us, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Why was Elijah afraid? Because he doubted. He doubted that Jesus and God, he doubted that God, who had just done stupendous miracles in his, in his sight, he just had doubts. And he was afraid. And David says, do not be afraid. Do not fret. Do not allow yourselves to cause emotional strain. I tell you, we use the Apostle Paul time after time as an example to follow. Why? It's because Paul lived Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. Paul believed this. 100% he was convinced that the power was in the gospel and he preached it and he lived it regardless of the circumstances he found himself in. Brethren, the simple fact is our faith can and should be enlarged regardless of circumstances. And I'm going to look at an example. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And I want to read verses uh, 3 through 8. Chapter 17, verses 3 through 8. Beginning in verse 3. Uh, Well, let's just start in verse 1. Now, when they had traveled through uh, Amphiphilos and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, This Jesus who I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason. They were seeking to bring them out to the people. And when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another King Jesus. They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who had heard these things. And when they received the pledge from Jason and the others, They released him. I'd say those who yielded to Christ were experiencing circumstances that were immediately testing their faith. Because the Jews drug out Jason, and it says some brethren, and their faith was immediately tested. So how did they respond? How did these Christians in Thessalonica respond when the circumstances of life turned against them because they yielded their lives to Jesus Christ. Well, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's look. Let's see 
how they responded. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's read verses 2 through 9. This is Paul writing to the church. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us in the Lord, having received the word, listen, in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia in Achaia. How did they become an example? In spite of all the tribulation, for the word of our Lord has sounded forth from you. Not only in Macedonia in Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. Listen, look. These brethren believed that they could conquer overwhelmingly with the help of God, with the help of Jesus Christ and the Word. The Word of God sounded forth. Sounded forth, Paul says. In spite of the tribulation they suffered. What a statement. Can that be made of us? That's the question. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 1. And let's let's read verses 3 and 4. Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting. Why? Because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith when? In the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endured. Notice what he says. They were being persecuted. They had afflictions that came upon them. But what Paul says is, your faith, oh, it was like those over there that we read in the boat. Your faith was of little faith? No. He says, your faith was enlarged. Your faith was enlarged in spite of the circumstances. Why? Well, I can only guess. Because they looked at it not from a human perspective, but from a Christian perspective. From one who believes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One who believes and trust in our God. Regardless of what happens to us, friends, we have a hope. We have an end game that the others do not have. And we should not allow our circumstances to cause us emotional strain, to cause us to to be afflicted, to cause us to just look around and not have the faith that we need. Brethren, I admit to you, that there are times in my life that God is not as big as he should be. And so my faith is not as big as it should be. I allow my circumstances, my assessment of the circumstances, to influence my faith, to lead me to doubt that it's just not possible to convert this individual or that individual. 
That's profiling, you know. That's what that is. That's profiling, but from whose perspective? From mine. And I allow it to happen sometimes. You know, it's just not possible for this person to be healed from this disease. So when we pray, do we pray believing that God has the power to heal? Do we really believe that? Or does our prayers reflect the fact that we just don't have the faith that says we can overconquer. We can overwhelmingly conquer through Christ. We just need to have that kind of faith. That's the faith that we need to have. And we need to let that faith resonate in our lives. Today, tomorrow, every minute, every week, every month, every year. That faith needs to be the kind of faith that we have. Don't look at it from our perspective. Look at it from God's. Look at it from the perspective that we have a hope and a life that we've dedicated to him. And like those in Thessalonica, let our faith be enlarged in face of persecutions, in face of afflictions. Let our faith grow stronger. Why? Because we live in Jesus Christ. I want to finish by reading 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Well, let's read down to, well, yeah, 8 through 12. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason... I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What beautiful words that is. Notice what Paul says. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Do you believe that? Not intellectually. It's very easy to say, I believe it intellectually. But do we practice it? Do we really practice it? Like we believe that God can overwhelmingly conquer If we just put our trust in him. Let's not look at somebody that we see and say, "Eh, that's not really a good prospect. I'm not sure that we can convince him. He doesn't look like the kind of person that we need to, to be teaching the gospel to. That shows a little faith. Just like Paul. Let's believe. Let's say, I am convinced that I can do all things through the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel 
and I'm going to live it, I'm going to teach it, I'm going to let it be a part of my life, and I'm going to let my faith even be enlarged in the face of of persecution or afflictions. Because, brethren, I honestly and truly believe that it's coming in this country. I honestly and truly believe that. Our faith is definitely going to be going to be tested. And we're, when we're in a group of people and someone brings up something that is not in the scriptures, I'm not saying that we should be belligerent, but I am saying that we need to have the faith to speak out and to let folks know that we're Christians, that we believe in what the New Testament says about various lifestyles, that they're wrong, and that we have faith in God and Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you've never yielded your life to Jesus Christ, to God, we implore you to do so this very night. Don't let another opportunity go by. If you realize that you're a sinner and you need to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and you need to repent of what the past has been in your life, anything that you've been doing wrong, go down into baptism, in that watery grave of baptism, and come up a new creature, washed with your sins, ready to take on the world, ready to be a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you've been a Christian, but you've experienced times when you just need the prayers of brethren, you need the the help of brethren, they stand here ready to help. If you can be served in any way, let it be known. When you come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.